0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your
1: go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Coyazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial News Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafa Quayaso here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend?
2: Going great, man. Um, we are, what are we at, second, ending the third quarter of the year, I guess, at the end, ramming out. Uh, business is great. Uh, looking for making this next quarter coming up uh, spectacular. More than so than last year. I'm trying to double sales and everything. So it's a big, huge commitment, but I think we can do it. Um, other than that, personal life's good and everything's great right now. I Can't complain. What about you, Raphael? How's it going over
1: there? No, it's going great. And as you mentioned, you, you've been doing some pretty cool projects. Um, you know, you're doing a brewery and a few other uh, decent-sized uh, buildouts as well. So excited to see those once they're complete, especially the brewery. I'll definitely be a a frequent yeah. client, uh, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but uh, you know, we no everything else in, on the on the business end is doing well. I've been doing a lot of leasing recently, in particular on the retail side. So. Uh, been working with restaurant owners and people looking for retail locations, and particularly on the franchise end. So we're starting to work with some, some like smoothie shops and stuff like that, to, to, as they're looking to expand their footprint in the city. And so it's been good. It's been a good. It's uh,
2: like you're uh, going to uh, be diving
1: into industrial a little bit
2: more. I heard.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. No. Yeah, so we we take. had a you know a couple. I had a couple of clients that you know we're looking for space for on the leasing front. And so yeah, it's going to be a hopefully a good end of the year. You know, it's it was it's been a little bit hit or miss with the interest rates uh, fluctuating as they have been. So from the purchasing side, I haven't had too much activity as of the last maybe month or two, but uh, you know, as far as the leasing side's concerned, it still seems to be extremely strong. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been good uh, on that front, but speaking of just a phenomenal conversation, uh, we had a great, great conversation with Alan Buchanan, who's a principal at Lee and associates uh, in orange County, California. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge. He's been in the business for almost 40 years. So, you know, you can imagine the amount of insight that he has garnered throughout his years and what he was willing to share in this podcast episode is nothing short of amazing. So one of the things we talked about uh, really was his background. Uh, he came from a consumer goods side business and then got into the the brokerage front. Uh, he came from a family owned business. And so he did have uh, quite a bit of, of experience on that front and then dove into the the, the commercial real estate side and took it from there. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the early struggles he faced uh, in his career. Along with that, we talked about, you know, how he decided to target the, the the client that he ultimately goes after on a regular basis. He typically works with, you know, family-owned businesses, which, you know, he utilizes his experience to kind of share some insights, but really on the manufacturing and industrial front as well. And so, you know, he kind of t- touches on what he what made him make that decision. And then we talked a little bit about some of the value he received from coaching you know one of he he he's involved with uh the uh Massimo coaching uh Rod Santos Massimo is a a very well known coach in the commercial real estate industry and he he's a phenomenal uh, individual when it comes to that 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 vertical and so he touched on a little, some of the value he gained from that particular relationship as well as you know some of the most effective strategies that he's used, utilized in his personal life and his business in order to grow uh his business long term so I thought it was a phenomenal conversation. You know, Alan is a, is 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 a very giving individual um, who is willing to to give a lot of valuable insights to to really anyone who who is looking for it. So I, I, you know, I definitely value the conversation that we had today. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything you'd like to add?
2: What I mean, you pretty much covered all the bases. But yeah, like I guess I can reiterate that Alan is a seems like a great guy and is very giving, um, particularly the treasure chest gift that he's going to be given to you guys as the audience. I can't wait myself to li- to partake in what he's giving, um, freely might I add. Um, and so that's one of the things that, uh, I, I'm grateful for that he came on and sharing his wealth of knowledge. So, uh, speaking of all that, uh, we I wanted to say that, you know, we're, we, the show is free for everyone to listen to watch, um, but we do have a price and that is just a recommendation. We would love to get your, uh, just one friend, colleague, uh, someone who is interested in commercial real estate to give them a uh, recommendation on listening to the podcast, watch it on YouTube. Um, and yeah, also we are looking for, uh, people that you might recommend, or if yourself, you want to be on the show, uh, you know, contact us, uh, and we will uh, be more than happy to put you on uh, on the podcast and uh, see where you you fit in. So if you could do that as well, that'd be great.
1: But other than that, Raphael? No, I could agree more. I mean, I obviously, you know, we love producing these podcast episodes, but we want to make sure that we reach the broadest audience possible. And if you guys know of anyone who you think would gain value from the, the podcast episodes, feel free to yeah. share it with them. I mean it's it's kind of like a pay it forward type of type of uh, yep. mindset, you know, I feel like, you know, our goal is to help as many people as possible and in order to do that, we have to make sure that, you know, more and more people listen to the podcast and and you know, can gain some value from it. Along with that, you know, if you guys haven't already, we obviously greatly appreciate if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It does make a huge impact in people's decision to to start to listen to the podcast when they're looking at podcasts and we've seen an uptick in our downloads as a result of you guys doing so. So if you ha- haven't already, don't do it if you're driving or doing something that requires you to your full attention, but when you do get a chance to please stop, go to Apple podcast or Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It really does mean a lot. So uh, again, thank you all so much for the support that you guys are showing us have shown us so far. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into the podcast. Well, Hey, Alan, great to see you this fine morning.
0: Great to see you as well. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this interview.
2: we uh, definitely. Uh, on LinkedIn, I think it's where uh, we got connected, and they're uh, excited to have you on here, especially since uh, you have a lot of experience in the commercial realm. So, can't wait to dive in. So,
1: absolutely. And for those of you guys who don't know, uh, you know, Alan's tuning in from California. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful state. I actually went to Arizona State University. So, I have a lot of friends that are located in uh, California. So it's, it's been a while since I've been back, but I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back here soon.
0: Yeah. That's uh we call that Southern California East here. Mm-hmm. Most kids that can't get into California schools end up at either Arizona, or Arizona state ours, one of our sons being one of those. So I totally okay. get.
1: Where did you, he, where'd he go to school?
0: He went to Arizona.
1: I went to Arizona. Okay. The healthy rivalry there. So that's good. Yeah. I Indeed. went to, I, I went to high school in Southern Arizona and just went and went to Arizona state. So uh it's a, uh, It was a great school, I enjoyed myself, and obviously I studied engineering while I was there, so got into the engineering space for a while, but um, looking forward to having this interview because, I I mean, you've been in the business for many, many, many years, and I know you'll be able to provide a lot of insights to our audience, and so, uh, you know, typically what we do when we first get started with the interview is we like to learn a little little, little bit more about the person that's across the table from us, so if you don't mind kind of sharing your backstory, I think it'd be great. Sure.
0: I I grew up in Arkansas, uh, Texarkana, Arkansas to be exact. Um, Grew up in a family-owned and operated business. Uh, Our family bottled and distributed Dr. Pepper, 7-Up, and Pepsi, which um, everyone knows today. But back in the 30s, when my grandfather founded the Dr. Pepper Bottling Company, not the Dr. Pepper Bottling Company, but our little franchise portion of it, uh, no one really knew uh, that product. So it was uh, a a bit akin to when I joined Lean Associates in 1984. Uh, No one knew who Lean Associates was. But uh, my career trajectory was to uh, run the family business at some point. So I went to school studied economics. That was going to be the focus. And then when I graduated or about to graduate, my dad said, you know, you don't know squat. He didn't say squat. He said, you don't know S squat. And uh, you need to go and get a job with one of the big consumer goods companies, learn how they do things. And then I might hire you if, uh, if, if I see fit. So that's what I did. That's what took us to California. I've uh, been married to my bride now for almost 43 years. And we have, uh, we have three kids, uh, two of whom are married. One is getting married and this hopefully this year. And then we have five grandkids. So we've been very blessed. Uh, I have found Lean associates kind of by accident. When I left the consumer goods business in 1984, I just went in and quit cold turkey. And uh, my boss at the time asked me what I was gonna do. And I said, oh no, I just, I just know I'm not gonna do this anymore. And so I went on about a 30-day journey to find really the right match of, I didn't want a boss, I didn't want to cap on my income, I wanted to stay local, I really like entrepreneurs and at the time didn't know I'd spend a career serving them, but I knew that that's the realm I wanted to, to get into and a family friend pointed me in the direction of commercial real estate and here we are 38 and a half years later, uh, still doing the same thing. So that's a bit of who I am and, uh, and what I'm about.
1: It's awesome. It's yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, I yeah, know, and 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 it's 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 kind of indicative of a lot of the you know the the people that we've interviewed in the past. I mean, how they got into the industry. You know, some just came from a family business. They they were either in the their family was in commercial real estate for many years, or some just transitioned away and and got into it just by happenstance. And it seems like in your case, it just was by happenstance. In my case, it was very similar. I was in engineering in in college actually studied industrial engineering and economics and then got into the software development space and I did that for five years and similar to you I transitioned away from that and got to the brokerage side and I've been in it for about three years now uh, so it seems very similar and in in, in in change I obviously we didn't have a family business or anything like that but you know the 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 parallels there are, are interesting
0: yeah in the, in the uh, I guess two things in my past uh, one being a, being a, seeing a family business sort of from the inside and Seeing all the dynamics and the problems and the hurdles and the the pain and, and, the, and the and the you know there was also a lot of very very nice times, but uh, that's who we serve today. I mean, our practice consists of owners and occupants of industrial buildings, but primarily they're family owned and operated. And so, growing up in a family business really gave me insight into how to serve that customer. And then my, I grew up in a, a broken home. My parents divorced when I was fourteen, and. Little did I know at the time that the the intermediary role that I played with my parents and then between my parents and my siblings would serve me well going forward because I really learned how to see both sides of of, of an issue and uh, with with the goal of resolving it. So um, I, I look back and you know it's sort of like the the Karate Kid, the wax on, wax off. You don't know what you're learning at the time, but you're preparing yourself for a career. And so those two uh, those two life events have really helped shape what I do for a living.
2: Yeah. So I got a question. I, I love your story and how you kind of came into it. But if you could go back, um, would you decide to go the residential real estate route or would you still stay in the commercial sector?
0: I, I would still stay in the commercial sector. Uh, when I left the consumer goods business, part of the reason I did was it, it, it didn't appear as though the family uh, business opportunity was going to present. Actually, it, it did in fact present, but then I decided that we loved living in California and didn't want to move back to Arkansas. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a big determining factor, but part of the, another reason I left the consumer goods business is as your responsibilities in the consumer goods business grow, so does your geography. And I didn't, I didn't really like being away from my family for four nights every week. And I really didn't like, uh, working on weekends, which as I think about the residential world, and I've, I've never sold houses, so I'm, I'm assuming this is the way it goes, but evenings and weekends are when you find folks who own homes because they're home, they're not at work. And I really wanted more, uh, let's call it sane business hours. I really didn't want to work on the weekends or on the, on the uh, so I never really considered residential real estate. I did consider wealth advisory. I considered advertising. I considered going into the software space. And um, uh, those really were insurance, I believe was another career I considered. So those, those really were the, were the areas where I focused.
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. We're saying. I would just, I mean,
2: I, I could see how that, uh, working those nights and Stephanie like with your family and stuff, not want to take away. That's one of the decisions why I primarily focus on commercial construction and not, the residential side of things. It's just, there's too many hours after hours and it's not a business structure and you're working all weekend, not just partial. And it, it, there's a lot, so I can definitely relate to that.
1: Yeah. And, and, and your, you know, we kind of always talk about it, like the emotional piece that, 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 you know, is, is a lot more, I would say a lot more prevalent in the, in the residential side. I know a lot of my residential friends, you know, they're always talking about, you know, a variety of different things that happen uh, when they're dealing with with residential clients, that you know, although you do have this emotions on the commercial rent in the commercial end, it's not nearly as 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 profound as it would be in in, in the residential side. At least, and again, I haven't sold residential real estate, so I I don't know. Uh, but it just seems that a lot of my clients, especially the business owner clients that are a little bit more established and uh, and know their you know that they've been operating for quite some time, a lot of their decisions are based on you know, logic and, and trying to get through, a, uh, solve a problem for their business. So. Right.
0: And, and, you know, I, I used to, I used to believe the same thing. And what I've, what I've come to now believe is that sales of anything are driven by emotion. They, they truly are. And whether you're a business person running a multi million dollar company, or whether you're uh, looking for a house on the weekends, it's, it's still, there. there's still an element of that that's, that's emotional. So. Um, it, it's really important, obviously, to to be able to understand, tap into that, have empathy for that, and, and the fact that I grew up in a family-owned and operated business really gives me those tools.
1: Definitely, no, I couldn't agree more. So, one of the qu- the questions I had is and, is, and this is something that that I'm sure you you dealt with early on, is you know, you you didn't come from a environment where commercial real estate was a family business, right? So, you know, when you first jumped into the the sales side on the commercial real estate front. I'm sure there were some struggles that you faced early on to try to establish yourself within your market. So if you could kind of touch on that, uh, and then maybe share some some insights pertaining how you were able to overcome those, I think that'd be helpful for the audience.
0: Sure. Uh, fortunately, uh, my selling career was with Procter and Gamble Distributing Company back in the uh, back in the mid 80s, uh, back in the late seventies, early eighties rather and then i went to the enj gallo winery and both are highly uh, noted and reputed for their training programs uh, procter and gamble at the time probably had the best sales training program of any consumer goods company in the united states they xerox ibm were really the training grounds for a lot of your commercial real estate brokers today that that are that are my age you know that are in their call it mid 50s to to early 70s i'm i'm 65 so fortunately, I I knew, how to, I knew how to dress, I knew how to set objectives. I knew how to, to create a calendar and to-do to list and priorities. I knew how to organize my day because I'd been selling for five years. So the, the challenge for me is I had to learn the lingo. I had to learn what a triple net lease, an industrial gross lease, what a difference between an industrial building, an office building, a retail shopping center, all those things. And fortunately, I had very, very good mentors. When I started, I was trained by a team. Uh, There were three of the gentlemen and two two brothers and then a a third, and they were seasoned veterans. Uh, The the older two had been in the business probably seven, eight years. Uh, The younger brother had been in the business about five years. So I was able to tag along with them. They were kind enough to put me on three or four listings. And so I had a reason to go out and talk to people And so I just kind of jumped in and and, and did it. You know, Sort of a funny aside, when we started, um, my wife and I looked at our finances and we said, okay, we've got $15,000 in the bank. And she was working, she was doing very well. We had a three month old son and he was in daycare. And we said, okay, we will be able to survive without me making a dime for 18 months. And $15,000 went a lot farther back in 84 than it does today. But um, two months after we started in the business, and I was still studying to become an agent. I I didn't even have my license yet, which meant I couldn't earn commissions. So two months, we found out that she was pregnant with our second child. So, boy, you talk about an an expedited program. I knew instantly, (laughs) hey, failure is not an option here. I've got to make this work. And I better get after it. So um, that really allowed me to hit the turbo charge and and, uh, and, and start making some deals.
2: Awesome. Yeah, no. Kind of and, a, and go, ahead. go
1: ahead. Go ahead. Jeff.
2: Now, I was just going to spin off the uh, when you said that you had mentors back then that kind of help you with the lingo and stuff. Did did they have any like uh, literature of any type back then to? Help you with that lingo, or was it just them? Like you asking them a question, and they gave you the answer, and you like had to write it down yourself? Or was yeah, there,
0: there was no such thing with with my company uh, uh, at the time, uh, CB Commercial, which was a big player. Grubbin Ellis was a big player back in the back in the mid eighties in, in in Southern California. Um, they had training programs, but Lean Associates didn't have a training program. My training program when I heard it showed up the first day as he said, "Here's your desk. Here's how you work your phone. Oh, by the way, here's a here's a copy of a of a of a, of a business directory. You know, good luck." And that was it. That that was that was my training program. So, um, no, the lingo. You know, it's interesting. One of the early lessons I learned is uh, one of my tasks is I had to prepare a uh, prepare a survey for a, for a tenant requirement. And so I was calling brokers and, and I had to dance around asking them about pricing, because if you didn't, if you weren't licensed, you weren't able to discuss pricing. So that was a, that was a, that was a bit of a challenge, but we figured out a way around it. So I had put together this survey and I was, uh, I was, I was really in tune with all the prices per square foot. And so, so that my seniors didn't have to do any work. They could show up and, and they were, they could talk intelligently about the various alternatives. So anyway, we, we show up and I had everything researched. I had all the prices per square foot. We talk in terms of, of uh, rents on a monthly basis in California. I know annual nationally, they do it annually. But uh, this, this tenant pulled me aside and he goes, you know, I appreciate all this price per square foot jazz. He says, but what is my monthly payment? <laughs> and I was just, I was stumped because, all right, yeah, monthly payment's pretty easy. You multiply the rent times the square footage, but that means I had to go through and look at the survey and figure out the square footage, figure out the price per square foot and do the math. So, um, you know, to your question about lingo, that sort of, if you will, taught itself to me over, you know, over time through, through actually doing it.
1: Probably. Yeah, and, and and you know, that's that's kind of the 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 sentiment that a lot of people have shared, especially those that have been in the business for some time, is that the 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 support, uh, especially when you first got started, was not nearly what it is today. Even I feel like there's a lot more resources out there nowadays to learn uh, a lot of the lingo and various different you know nuances of the business that. Made, just weren't around uh, back then. So I think if anything, it's, it's definitely great to see that being uh, prioritized in, in a variety of different facets. I mean, you see it all over YouTube, you see it on LinkedIn, people are posting content on a regular basis, kind of sharing their insights. And so that's kind of something that I think is very positive for the industry going forward. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that you know impacts the next generation of, of brokers and, and really just real estate professionals in general
0: yeah and i'll give you a, i'll give you a quick little statistic at least for our office so in 2017 we looked back and we were just abysmal at hiring and recruiting hiring and, and keeping them on board our attrition rate was north of 80 percent. so eight eight out of ten that walked in our door uh, didn't survive in the commercial real estate business for six months a year and we, we really looked hard at why that was and we sort of narrowed it down to three things a we're not we're not recruiting. The right way b we're not doing a great job of vetting the recruits that we have and then c once we once we hire them we're not doing a good job of, of a training them mentoring them and coaching them and there are really three facets there so what we did is we designed a, a recruiting program vetting program have them all take you know personality tests to see if they were suited for the business and then we uh we designed a training program and i was able to design that for the company and i actually delivered 31 training sessions to this new recruit, new recruit class. And then we paired them with mentors like I in the business had a mentor when I started. So that mentor, if they chose, could allow them to be a 50 50 participant work listings, do whatever they want, or they could just use them as support, meet with them on a periodic basis. But there was definitely a mentor touch point. And then we also couple that with, with coaching because you can be trained all you want, but just like, you know, if you, if you all play golf, uh, you take a golf lesson, but, but then you, you must be coached and you must, you know, you must do the reps in order to get proficient. So we improved our, uh, our attrition rate from 80% to this class is uh, half of them are still around. And one of them set the record for being the most productive in terms of revenue, the most productive associate we've ever had. So there's just huge benefit to your point, huge benefit to training, huge benefit to mentoring, huge benefit to coaching. Uh, you mentioned Rod Stanton Massimo. That's part of the reason that I'm a Massimo member now is I just finally realized that I, at my age and should have realized it 30 years ago, but at my age, coaching is just paramount to what I do. So.
2: Yeah, well, I agree. So in the commercial sector, uh, or not say sector, but commercial real estate in general, there's a lot of different sectors. Um, I was curious to what your actual sector that yours fall in and what your target client is and then sure. what, what made you actually decide to, to, to focus on that particular sector.
0: So when I interviewed, uh, I didn't know the the differences between commercial real estate genres when I interviewed, but, um, what I was down to two, two companies, and Ellis and lean associates, and uh, one of the Grubbin Ellis brokers pulled me aside and he said, look, he said, uh, you really are an industrial broker and I'd suggest you-, you-, you go into that realm. He said, you like talking to decision makers. He said, industrial is just more fun. It's more vibrant. Um, sure, a lot of people are going to try to swing you into t- leasing and selling office buildings. He says, I just recommend industrial. That was my background i mean we were a bottler distributor so we had warehouse space manufacturing buildings and texarkana so i was somewhat familiar with manufacturing buildings yeah so it's uh it's been industrial 100 of the time since and we really focus upon once again the family owned and operated manufacturing or logistics business now generally those companies are experiencing some sort of a transition they've sold their company they've uh, acquired a competitor, they've unfortunately had a death of one of the principals, there's some sort of a succession plan taking over, we're seeing a lot of that right now, where you know, folks your age are taking over for folks my age. Um, we're seeing that whole generational shift in ownership. So generally when those, when those transitions occur, we're called in because there's a real estate requirement that results from that. And so it's, it's family owned, operated manufacturing logistics companies, We'll go anywhere in the United States, but primarily we're on the West Coast, and and more specifically, Orange County, San Bernardino, Riverside County, California.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, and I'm sure that you know, obviously, your experience on on the on the the production the production side when it comes to your consumer goods experience, and also that your family business. I mean, I'm sure that helps you immensely as you're as you're communicating with clients about the value you can offer to them, and and ultimately help them get to where they're trying to go.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it frankly, it served us very well.
1: That's phenomenal. Yeah. So, so you had kind of alluded to, you know, the importance of coaching in your, in your career um, and, and the decision you made to go on with, you know, Rod. And for those of you guys who don't know, Rod Santamassimo is a a commercial real estate coach. Uh, He's been around since I believe early to, was it 2008 or 2009, I think is when he started his coaching business and he's been doing it ever since. And, you know, I, I've I've had coaching in the past from different coaches for a variety of different things, and I definitely see the value from it. Uh, I guess one of the things that I am curious about is what do you, what do you think in particular has been you know some of the benefits you've received from just getting coaching on a, on a regular basis?
0: It's it's truly been transformational, and, and what I mean by that is it's transformed the way I think about the business, the way I and the, and the way I do the business. One of the big lessons early on was how important inactive clients are to your trade. And when I say inactive clients, a lot of people refer to them as past clients, but they're not past clients. They may be past clients for you, but we refer to them as inactive clients and they could be active with another broker, but, um, just identifying the people that you've done business with in the past and how you can serve them what they're up to today has just been that's been huge the other th- the other uh, lesson that i learned early on is uh how to how to create a not to do list and what i mean by that we all have to do lists but have you ever thought about the things in your day that you do that you shouldn't be doing not that they're insignificant in or unimportant but they're just not things that you should be doing so um having a, an administrative assistant was a, a, a game changer for us having a transaction coordinator was a game changer for us and having those two people on our team allow me to do what i do best do things like this do strategic networking talk to prospects talk to inactive an clients and really do things that are going to move your business forward so those are you know those are the two primary lessons that i've taken away there've been a lot of lot of sub lessons along the way as well. But what Rod has created is an, an incredible community. Um, he has weekly calls that we're all a part of. <clears throat> and I've met brokers across the United States, one in particular in Charlotte, North Carolina, that I've referred business to, but all up and down the West Coast, um, all throughout the United States. <clears throat> it's been a uh, it's really been a tremendous community. And and so that's uh that's a huge benefit of being a part of that organization as well.
1: That's awesome. No, no. I know. And I think, I think the, the insights you shared, uh, you know, regarding that, the insights you've gained from that experience are, are huge, especially the not to do list. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, just the things that, you know, even in, in my career, I, we've, we've hired a, a virtual assistant to help us with a lot of this, you know, production on, on this front. And it's, freed us up to do a lot of different things. And then all we really need to do is show up, provide, do the interview, and then we could get everything distributed and edited and everything else just through, you know, other, other, uh, means. And that, that saved us a ton of time and allows us to scale our operations in a variety of different facets. So now I have more time to go do, like you said, the, the, the business development side of things, which is really what's going to grow your business. And so that's just one thing that I'm sure, you know, you've you've done with the administrative assistant, you've done with the transaction coordinator, you probably have other professionals you've included in your in your sphere to help you with those different functions that are they're crucial, they're still very important to the business, but they they may not be things that you pers- personally have to do uh because really your biggest function is to generate the income that's going to feed those those transactions. So
0: exactly. Exactly. And <clears throat> one of the exercises that we did early on uh, was you know, computing your value. And it's, and it's pretty simple, but you think about how much money you want to make in the, in the following year, not this year, or last year, but how much you want to make in the following year. And then you figure out, okay, how many, how many hours am I going to work next year? And generally that's about 2000. Now I, I hedged on that. I probably work more hours than that. But um, if you take your, let's say you want to make a million dollars a year, and you're going to work 2,000 hours, that means your time is worth $500 an hour. So a simple way to look at not to do is anything in your day that is not, does not have the potential to earn you $500 an hour, you shouldn't be doing. Um, others, others on your team should be doing it. So things like preparing contracts and doing surveys and doing research and you know, communicating with your team about you know, the value add, we'll talk about it in a little bit you know, all those things are critically important, but just not important for someone that's, that's making 500, that that wants to make $500 an hour. So it just was, you know, it's, it's simple, it's simple stuff, but it just really brought it to the forefront in my mind and and enabled me to see things, like I mentioned, transformatively, uh, just see things a different way.
1: Absolutely. And then really it's a mindset shift, right? And, and, and and that's, that's, that's the critical junctions in my, in my life and I'm sure in your life is, is they're, they're, they're just different uh, p- pieces where, you know, uh, uh, some, an idea or something has been that, that triggered a, a different path that you, you took. I mean, uh, you know, we always talk about the books that were impactful to me. I, I read this book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, um, and, and the premise of the book is small, positive, consistent action taken over time adds up to massive results. So if you write, you know, 500 words a day, for example, you could write a 200-page book in 3 months. Or you if you do 10 calls a day over the course of a year, it could be that 3,000, right? So you don't have to take massive action every day, although, you know, that that is fine. It's the consistency piece that really makes a difference. And so that's obviously, you know, a, an insight that I gained when I was younger in my career, 23 years old, 24 years old, and that served me throughout my entire life and and obviously your insights pertaining to the not to do that was similar to me the who not how book that i read kind of gave me that insight is hey instead of, if you if you really want to make xyz amount of money then unless the action you're taking is getting you towards that then you need to find someone else to to take that responsibility on so
2: well Just i wanted to ask, actually since you've been in the Lee and associates for you know decades now um I'm sure that you've actually helped employ some s- strategies that help scale the business because I know there's some people out there that are brokers and they're, they're trying to grow their practice and stuff. And so they're trying to get to that next level. Or do you have any uh, strategies or tips that you can let them know that you guys have done and that's got a lot of results from that?
0: Sure. Um, I, and I think back to, uh, to to some decisions that we made Back in the uh, back in the early part of the 90s, and in the early part of the 90s, and, and I, you gentlemen are significantly younger than I, and I, you know, I don't know how long you've been doing what you're doing, but um, in, in the early part of the 90s, this thing called the internet was just starting to get popular, but commercial real estate had not adopted IT to the level that it that it would eventually, and then the that that the world would eventually. So we made some decisions back in the early '90s um, to really invest heavily into IT, and you got to understand in 1992 when we made this decision, there were three people in an office of 40 that had PCs on their desk. Think about that: three people out of 40. But we knew that this was going to be the the, the wave. We 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 had no idea what it was going to grow into, but. We just we just saw it we we saw it coming. So we invested very heavily in IT, and uh, another decision that we made, although we we really refined it, and I touched on this a bit ago, was uh, was training. You know how you onboard new agents and what sort of an experience <clears throat> do they have, and, and how do you make them successful? Because it's a brutal business, and it's it's commission only. Um, it's, it's, it's filled with folks that are significantly older than those that start in the business and they have long lasting relationships. It's just very, very difficult to break into that. So we made uh, a lot of recruiting and training decisions that have helped scale our business. And then uh, I guess the final thing that I'll mention is, is, I've always been on the forefront dating back to the early 90s with our, with our IT push but I've always been on the forefront for commercial real estate technology, and I've always pushed our company in that direction. And an example of that would be, you know, our company, and we have sixty-five offices in, I think, almost every state in the United States now. When I started, the company had two, but uh, all sixty-five of our offices use a use a program called Buildout. And I was contacted by the build out folks um, and they said, Hey, we understand you're sort of a mover and shaker in the tech world. And we'd love to show you this. And they literally were 15 minutes, 15 seconds into their pitch. And I said, timeout, when and got my president, I said, you've got to see what these folks have come up with. And so we, we, we created a ground roots program to use build out in our office and then rolled it out to the, to the entire 65 office uh, group. So, um, I just would say training, technology, really be on the forefront of those because training helps you onboard, make agents successful, technology helps them be more efficient. And and if you can can aid them in those two ways, I think you're gonna be very impressed with your results.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. go
2: ahead. I was just couldn't agree more on the technology front, um, even in the past five years to 10 years, how much it's actually scaled in the commercial real estate world. Uh, I know Raphael can tell you more about that because he went to the CRE tech conference. Uh, was it last year that last you year. went up there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just some of the things that he told me about is like, wow, this is going to be really impressive coming down the pipeline to see having those capabilities. So can't wait to see that myself.
0: Yeah, and if you ever want to get your mind completely blown, go to a residential version of a commercial real estate tech conference and see what they're doing. And then realize just how far behind the curve commercial real estate is, even to this day, they're doing some amazing things.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, residential, I mean, I feel like a lot of there's a lot of technology companies out there that are servicing the real estate, the residential real estate industry in particular. And then you know, I went to the conference. Michael Beckerman, who's the CEO of CRE Tech, uh, we've had him on the podcast several times, and he uh, he kind of is the is a is a obviously a big uh, leader in the the push towards trying to expand our the technological footprint within the commercial real estate side of things. And you know, just through you know his conferences and and his involvement in the tech side as a whole, I think we've started to see uh, trending trending upward. And obviously, as more and more tenants start demanding technology within the different buildings that are out there, I think that's also going to create a growing demand for, for, you know, innovative technology solutions that can better serve, you know, ultimately the tenants and, and clients, uh, you know, on the brokerage front as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about what uh, you know, is coming down the pike and, and, and the trending upward that we were seeing, but we still have a long way to go, like you said, um, and coming from a tech side, uh, you know, I obviously was an engineer and a developer for quite some time. I'm very optimistic and I, I love the stuff. So I, I can kinda geek out when I'm talking to some, you know, uh CEOs of, of tech companies because I can see the value that it that can be applied if you do apply it correctly within the with, within the different facets, whether it's construction or brokerage or you know, insurance or whatever. So
0: yeah. I'm a, I'm a tech geek myself, and it's interesting to mention Michael Beckerman's name. I used to write when he had the news funnel. I used to write a, a column for him on a weekly basis, and so really, uh, really was familiar with Michael when he first started and, and watching watching his success. We actually had the privilege of meeting one another when he was in Los Angeles a few years ago. But there's been a tremendous amount of consolidation in the tech world as well. You know, mm-hmm. with uh, with Lightbox's acquisition of Real Capital Markets, Client Look, which is a CRM. Um, and digital map products. And then you see what Buildout did last year with the acquisition of Apto, Rethink, and uh, Prospect Now. Um, Jeff Finn and... and, um, uh, I can't remember Jeff's partner's name, Mark Kingston. Jeff Finn and Mark Kingston about 10 years ago uh, went on a a consolidation with REIYs at the time, a realist, REA, and a couple of other pieces that they that they that they bound together, um, but it's you know the, the, the big gorilla in the world of commercial real estate. Is, <clears throat> excuse me, is still CoStar, and I'd love to see CoStar start to share some of its you know some of its data because it would it would uh, it would truly revolutionize what we do because we still operate in these silos of data that don't talk to each other, which is unfortunate.
1: Definitely, no, I could agree more. So, you know, for those for just just so and we had talked about this briefly about the audience that we that we've talked with that really listen to our podcast. And we've had, you know, obviously brokers, lawyers, uh, insurance people. We've had, you know, construction uh, company owners and developers and and investors that 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 do listen to our podcast on a regular basis. But, you know, we definitely have quite a a strong contingent of brokers and those broker of those brokers. A lot of them are younger in their career. Uh, you know, so one of the things that I'd like to ask you is, you know, if you could go back in time to your younger self and, and kind of sit, sit yourself down and say one piece of advice that you could share that would really just shift your, the trajectory that you had, what would that piece of advice be?
0: Learn to strategically network.
1: Okay. Well, what do you mean by strategically network?
0: When we get in the business, we're taught to go and find a deal. And that means go and talk to as many occupants as you possibly can or talk to as many owners as you possibly can, which is fine. I'm a big believer of that. But if you think about my customer, which is a family owned and operated business, that family owned and operated business generally talks to six professions and some they talk to on a weekly basis, other maybe not that frequently. But those six individuals are, uh, they talk to their business banker, they talk to their CPA, they talk to their business attorney, they talk to their wealth advisor, they talk to their commercial insurance agent. And at some point they're going to talk to an investment banker when they think about acquiring a competitor or selling their company. So those six professions complement what we do. They do not compete with what we do. And if someone had told me in 1984, 85, Hey, get to know half a dozen business bankers. And when I say get to know them, take them to coffee, take them to lunch, find out who their customers are, find out how you can help them, refer business to them, you know, establish that whole referral relationship. And you do that with the six professions I mentioned. It's just incredible how easy the business becomes when you're referred into an assignment as opposed to having to compete for an assignment. Uh, when you can, when you can call with familiarity and say, you know uh, you know Jeff, uh, Raphael asked me to give you a call, understand he's been your CPA for the last 20 years. He thought we would um, he thought we would benefit from knowing one another. I'm going to be in your area next Tuesday at two. Can I swing by and introduce myself? You know I have never with that sort of introduction had a, had a potential prospect say no to me um, because, The role that you that you ultimately want to achieve as a commercial real estate professional is you want to achieve the role of a trusted advisor. And so consequently, you have to think in terms of the long game as opposed to each individual transaction and networking strategically can help you do that.
1: That's that's game changing advice. I really appreciate you saying that. And, 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 you know, to, 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 to what you said, I mean, you're, you're not competing against these individuals, but you service the same clients. And so if you build strong rapport and can showcase your, your competence to these individuals, you know, they feel more comfortable referring opportunities to you because, and that's another thing you have to understand is when people refer business to you, that is them showing, telling that individuals that they're, they're kind of expending some of their capital. With you, so making sure that you service that client to the best of your ability and and you know really make a strong impression improves the the chances of them actually doing that. And you know just just this past week, I've had two referrals coming from business banking uh, professionals that I've referred business to in the past. And you know they obviously they like to interact with me. And I had lunch with one of the business bankers the other day, and he just referred me another client, and we're going to be looking for industrial leasing space for them. So you know that's that would never have happened had you know, I would not referred business to them and, and kept contact with them over time and, you know, tried to add value to them as they try now to add value to me. So I think that's a great, um, great insight.
2: Well, Helen, as we start kind of rounding out the questions here, I just wanted to say it's it's been an honor uh, to just hearing your story, uh, listen to your advice and stuff. So I know people are going to gain a lot of value from this. Um, One particular question that we've asked all all of our guests is uh, Raphael and I are both uh, herbaceous readers, uh, more so for Raphael as an audible listener uh, of books. Uh, So one of the questions is, what is one of the most impactful books that you've ever read? And it doesn't have to be commercial, uh, real estate related. It's just something that maybe has changed your thought process and and maybe changed your career path of sorts.
0: Yeah. So if, if I may, if I may do two. Sure. Uh, uh, the, the first one is a, is, is a, is a personal, uh, for, for, for personal, uh, but I am a big believer that personal and business are intertwined and it's called the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Uh, been a, been a faithful follower of, of Jesus for my entire life. Um, but to hear the way Lee Strobel breaks it down, I thought was incredibly impactful. So I'd highly recommend that book, even if your listeners aren't Christians, um, just the way in which Lee Strobel goes about explaining that I think is phenomenal. Uh, From a business standpoint, one of the most impactful books has been um, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. Really, anything by Jeb Blunt is pretty darn good, but Fanatical Prospecting, uh, I read about two years ago. And if someone said, "Hey, you have to read twelve business books every year, I'd probably just read fanatical prospecting twelve times. I mean it's that good um, so those those are the two that that i would I would recommend
2: well we, we greatly appreciate that uh I know the fanatical prospecting is one that I'm uh, haven't read and will probably pick up for sure for the business purposes
1: yeah. So. Yeah, it's a great book, Jeb Blunt. You yeah. uh, know, yeah, he's written several books uh, on sales. Right. I think one he's coming up with one on uh, th- that I'm interested in reading is is on uh, you know how to you know prosper in sales through you know a, a recession. Uh, he's going to be releasing that here shortly, so i I'm, I actually am um, going to buy it. I have I have Audible credits, so I'll probably just get it and you know take advantage of that as well because he is a phenomenal author and he's a great coach, a sales coach as well. So, yep, for sure. That's awesome. So, one of the things we typically ask near the end of the podcast episode is, we have something called the commercial real estate treasure chest. It's a repository of resources that we make available to our audience, and you know, typically our guests can uh, contribute something to it, whether it's a helpful PDF, Excel sheet. We've had people in the past contribute helpful eBooks. So, I wanted to give you an opportunity to to say what you're willing to contribute today. Sure,
0: um, I have produced a series of one to two minute advice videos for the commercial real estate profession, started in the summer of 2013. And so now we're nine years in, I believe we have about 350 episodes. They're called Tuesday Traffic Tips. And they're, they're not scripted, they're just they're done off the cuff. A lot of times it's advice on maybe something I'm dealing with whether a transaction or personally. And uh, I will send you a link for the Tuesday Traffic Tips. Uh, they're on YouTube. And you can subscribe if you want to get them real time. I do them every Tuesday. I used to do them in the front seat of my car. I don't anymore because I'm not in the front seat of my car that often. But um, you see the you see the background here. Um, that's that's the Santa Monica Freeway. So uh, here we are in traffic. So I believe your listeners will great, greatly benefit from those.
2: Yeah, I bet and I know they will gain a lot of value from that. Especially, I'm sure that you touched upon uh, the kind of how we went through the pandemic and all that. And uh, before and now during that it's, it it was definitely gonna be interesting to see the evolution of your, your traffic Tuesday (laughs) videos as it goes from the before and then after that as well. So, but
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to go back and and watch the early ones. And I, we just, my intern this summer uh, took all the videos and and trans, transpose them so we now have we now have text for all the videos with the thought of being making a little you know a little book and um oh, nice. so I, I i hate to commit to that because co- so when i commit to something i do it mm-hmm. but uh the, the the goal would be to have that in print by the end of the year so stay tuned for that
2: there you go that's exciting news
1: yeah well, if it, it if, if you can do it on audible i'd love to love to let take a listen so
0: for sure I, i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a book listener as well i don't when i when i sit and read i fall asleep but when i'm out walking or in the car or something those audible books are just unbeatable
2: yeah
1: definitely
2: that's awesome well alan again thanks for uh coming on the show and i know our listeners uh and viewers on YouTube will be wanting to contact you. Um, so what avenue or branch that would you like them to, to get in contact with you and maybe uh, do some deals or just get some advice?
0: Sure. Uh, I'll give you a couple. So easiest way is email. It's abuchanan, B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N at lee-associates.com, abuchanan at lee-associates.com. Uh, my mobile number is 714-624-3896. That's also, you can contact me that way. Uh, but I'm on, uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Alan C. Buchanan, uh, Alan Colin Buchanan on Facebook. Obviously, YouTube, Tuesday Traffic Tips. So I'm pretty visible out there. So you, if, uh, if, if you bump into someone that's named Alan Buchanan that's a professor of economics at Duke University, that's not, that's, that's not me.
1: Hey, there maybe one day.
0: And that teaches economics at Duke University, believe it or not.
1: Hey, maybe maybe one day, right? You you studied economics and you've been in the the business the side yeah. for a while, so maybe one day. I mean, it's kind you've... of
0: funny because he and I look to be about the same age, and we look. He's got gray hair as I do. I don't know. It's it's, it's it was a little it was a little freaky.
2: <laughs> oh, hey, you're. I I think since you've been doing these Tuesday, you know videos that you've been a professor since 2013 so don't sell yourself short here
0: professor in commercial
2: real estate for sure there you go, there you go. that's all. Awesome. title of the new book there you go <laughs> there you go
1: well hey alan obviously we, we greatly appreciate your time uh for those of you guys who are listening all the information that he shared pertaining to how you can get in contact with him we'll, we'll include it in the show notes below so uh, again thank you so much alan for stopping by today. Uh, for those of you guys who are listening in a podcast format, we would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review. It makes a huge difference in our impact, and we've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result of you guys doing so. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it if you can like and subscribe to this channel. It really helps with the YouTube algorithm and ensures more and more people can hear this message and learn about the many facets of commercial real estate. So thanks again so much for stopping by, and we'll see you all next time you